Good morning, everyone. Good to see you here today. Welcome. We're glad that you're here and uh, worshiping the Lord together this morning. And we welcome everyone. We welcome our guests especially today. We're glad that you're here and hope that uh, you'll feel very much part of our family as we worship God together. Let me remind everyone of our attendance sheets on each row. We'd like to ask if you wouldn't mind to take those and fill them out so we could have a record of your attendance. Um, just uh, check the appropriate box. Give us uh, whatever information you feel comfortable giving to us, and we would appreciate it. have a, a few activities that we want to um, draw everybody's attention to. We have several um, youth things that are coming up. Uh, on July the 25th, 26th, and 27th, our, our youth will be doing a, a camping retreat. And so if you are a youth or if you know of youth, youths, <laughs> then uh, let them know and uh, let Kelsey know and she'll get, get you signed up. And um, also on July the 28th, we'll be having our Youth Sunday and our youth will kind of be taking over uh, for our worship service and leading us in worship services that day. And so uh, put that on your calendar as well. Also, August the 18th, uh, we will be hosting here at Community Baptist Church, we will be hosting a community-wide hymn sing on as a Sunday afternoon. It's just going to be a fun time. We'll be just singing some hymns and, and, and enjoying uh, various music from various people. And um, so put that on your calendar and, and go ahead and uh, make your plans to be here on August the 18th. And um, we are, this is the year also that we are celebrating our 20th, our 25th year uh, as as a church. And so we're going to have a celebration and we're, we're making plans for that now. It'll, uh, most of the activities will take place during Jan- uh, December and into January. And so if you would like to help and to prepare for that, then please see Greg Gibson and he'll put you on the committee and put you to work as we uh, continue to make plans for that. And one more thing that's coming up uh, pretty soon. Our upperclassmen group is a great active group of, uh, of folks. On July the 26th, put this on your calendar, July the 26th, we're going to have a mystery lunch. Have you ever had one of those? I, I have. Sometimes I don't. Yeah. I had some mystery meat the other day. I'm not sure. <laughs> but... but I've been told that this will not disappoint. We're going to be having a mystery lunch. It will be a surprise. Uh, The only hint that we have been given is that we will be eating in an old house. And that could be good or bad too, couldn't it? Uh, We'll be eating at an old house, but we'll meet here at the church at 1015 on July the 26th and leave from here for our journey and enjoy the the surprise. So uh, put that on your calendar as well. Uh, Let us stand and greet each other. Let us share the love of Christ with one another. Thank you. 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 Thank you.
us. Give us such a deep love for you that we will be able to see the world as you see the world. That we would be able to feel the compassion that you feel. That we would be a people whose lives absolutely radiate your love to others. Open our eyes, O oh God, that we might see what the Good Samaritan saw. Give to us the insight to see and to feel the needs of others and give us the wisdom to know what to do and the will to do it. We pray today, O oh Lord, for all those who in many and various ways have been stripped and beaten and left for dead. We pray for children who have to grow up in the most awful of circumstances, especially for those who are starved for love or for food or for shelter or security, for those who are locked away, for those who suffer in the midst of gang violence and threats and rape. For those who endure great hardship just for the slightest hope that their lives may be improved. May they receive the future that you have planned for them. We pray for those who we might cross the road to avoid. Who have been excluded socially because of their race or their financial status or their history. May the dignity that is theirs be restored to them. We pray for those whose need we would rather not face up to because, well, it's just too hard. We pray for those who suffer atrocities because of war, unjust trade rules, or oppressive governments. May the world receive a true picture of their suffering and the factors that cause it so, so that justice may be done. Open our eyes, O oh Lord, that we will not cross the road in our effort to avoid human need. Instead, give us such a deep, deep love for you that we might see your, your love at work in this world and that we might go and do likewise. Fill us, O oh God, with your compassionate heart. Amen.
the story starts with me eating chicken at KFC. And this guy comes just shuffling in with a walker. His beard was growing out. His hair was down to his shoulders and it was greasy and matted. He's got on this old white t-shirt that is just soiled from stem to stern. I thought, well, you know, I can at least give him something to eat. We went and grabbed him some chicken and uh, I found out he was living on a couch in a little patch of woods there. So he was back there laying on the couch and he told me that he was a homeless vet. I could not believe that a human being would be living like he was, especially having served the country. He was sick, he was mentally disabled, smelled the high heaven. You know, it would be inhuman to leave a man living out like that if there was any hope. So I took him into a hotel, but uh, he's got issues with his kidneys and his feet. And so they finally said, look, take him out. We just started taking care of him from then on. You know, what happens to a man that deteriorates to the position that he's in? From what I've been able to piece together, he was adopted by an elderly couple, so they died early in his life. He joined the military, got married somewhere along in that line. His wife said, come home and take care of the family or she was going to leave him. Went home to take care of his wife. Well, she left him anyway and took the kid. Just wish God would. Stop. I mean, it's been a challenge, just a slog to get those benefits. In the middle of this thing, I don't know when it'll end. I don't know if it will end. When I committed to help him, I basically told God I'd see it through. Mark was in hell until Eddie Green came into his life and changed all that. Mark was very sick. You know, post-traumatic stress syndrome, the first thing they saw thinking about was what they did in that war. How many people they done killed. And sometimes I think I've made so many mistakes. When I'm laying in bed, I ask God to make sure I don't wake up. I don't want to see him die. 
I'm hoping that Mark can get out of the prison that he's in in his own mind and come back to life. For a while, I hated God more than anything on this planet. I kind of that went away because I figured there's all kinds of people on this planet that are kind of like me, and He's helping them. Hey, is someone that I would do anything for if I could. Go to the bathroom and they call me when you get ready to brush your teeth. All right. He's done so much for me. If you consider that you're a gift of God to the other people in the world, there really is something spiritual that takes place when we give our life. It's just like a crystallization of the reality of what God feels for mankind. Just listen to Mark. Listen to him cry out of him. He he became my brother. This is the way I look at other people. They are human beings. They are brothers and sisters, no matter what. Somebody needs to reach out, give the compassion, and don't think loving somebody is weak. It is powerful. Love is the most powerful thing in the world.
pray with me. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you that we can always trust in you. You are an abundant God, and out of your great mercy, you have given us so much. We give you this offering today. It is not how much we give, but how much love we put into giving. Now please take it and multiply its reach and influence and be a blessing to many. Now we smile as we give, for God loveth a cheerful giver. In Christ's name we pray. reading from Luke 10, verses 25 to 37. Just when the Lord said 
He said to him, What is written in the law? What do you read there? He answered, You should love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and all your, all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor and yourself. And he said to him, You have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came near him, and when he saw him, he was moved with pity. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him, and when I come back, I will repay you whatever more you spend. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? He said, the one who showed mercy. Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. This is a war of war.
Thank you so much, Ann and Heather. It's it's always a treat to have you come and sing for us, and and we are so grateful for it. And we're it's such a wonderful blessing. So thank you so much. And I and I I want to say it's great to be a part of a church that loves music. You know, isn't that isn't that the truth? Reader's Digest carried an article a while back that featured 24 stories about what the editor called the touching kindness of strangers. One story told about Leslie Wagner being in a supermarket. But when she checked out, she discovered that her bill was $12 more than she had in her wallet. So she began to remove items from her cart. But there was another shopper that was there who saw what was going on, and he handed her a $20 bill. Embarrassed, Wagner said to the person making this generous generous offer, please don't put yourself out. And the person said, let me tell you a story. He said, my mother is in the hospital right now with cancer, and I visit her every day, and I bring her flowers every day. And when I went this morning, she got mad at me for spending so much money on flowers. And she demanded that I do something else with that money. So please accept this money for your groceries. It's my mom's flowers. And so she gratefully accepted the gift. What a thoughtful act. We're always touched when we see one person do something kind for someone else. It gives both the giver and the recipient a good feeling. In fact, it's a wonder more of us don't perform more acts of kindness just so that we can experience that good feeling we get when we do it. But of course, the, one of the world's best known acts of kindness is found in our lesson for today. It's a familiar story. It is one of my all-time favorite stories because I think it encapsulates what the kingdom of God is truly about. It is a story that Jesus told about a man who was going down from Jerusalem down to Jericho when he fell among thieves who robbed him and stripped him and beat him and left him for dead. And scholars tell us that this kind of thing happened pretty frequently on that road from Jerusalem down to Jericho. It was a notoriously dangerous route for travelers to take. You see, Jerusalem sat up on a hill which was about 2,300 feet above sea level. While the Dead Sea, which is located near the city of Jericho, is 1,300 feet below sea level. Jericho is probably one of the deepest cities in the world. And so this road between Jerusalem and Jericho descended more than 3,600 feet in less than 20 miles. And so it was a road that was filled with narrowed passageways and switchbacks that went back and forth, which meant that there were many places along the road where thieves could hide and pounce on unsuspecting travelers. Well, fortunately, it wasn't long until a priest happened to walk by. 
But unfortunately, the priest took one look at this broken, beaten, bloodied body lying beside the road, and he hurried on by on the other side. Let us graciously assume that he thought the man was dead. For you see, priests were forbidden by liturgical law from touching a dead body. Dead bodies were ceremonially unclean. Likewise, a Levite came by and did the same thing as the priest. He passed by on the other side. Levites were also under that same prohibition concerning dead bodies as the priests were. But there was a certain Samaritan, and that's all we know about this person. He was a certain Samaritan who found the man and had compassion on him. He bound up his wounds, he treated them with oil and wine and placed the man on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and he took care of him there. And the next day when he needed to be moving on, the Samaritan went to the innkeeper, dug into his own pocket, gave him money out of his own pocket and said, Take care of this man. And if this isn't enough money to cover your expenses, I'll give you more when I come back next week. The story of the Good Samaritan is one of the most famous stories in all of literature. Jesus told this story in response to a lawyer's question. You see, this lawyer had asked Jesus what, it, what he must do to inherit eternal life, and Jesus quoted the Scriptures to him. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and you must love your neighbor as you love yourself. Well, the lawyer had no trouble with the first part of that admonition. He loved God. He knew that he loved God. He didn't have any trouble loving God. But being a lawyer, he wanted a good, he wanted a, a good definition of who he had to include as his neighbor. In other words, he wanted to know who he had to love and who he could get away with not loving. And so he asked, who is my neighbor? And that's when Jesus told the story of the Good Samaritan. And that's a question that still haunts us today, isn't it? Who is my neighbor? Are illegal immigrants our neighbors? Are people who are starving in remote sections of our earth our neighbors? Are people struggling to survive in war-torn countries our neighbors? Are families fleeing from gang violence, oppression, sex trafficking, and drug lords our neighbors? Luke tells us that this lawyer was asking this question, seeking to justify himself. And we do the same thing, don't we? But as followers of Jesus Christ, we know that the obvious answer to this question is, anyone who needs your help is your neighbor. That just makes me tired thinking about it. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. Jeremy Taylor 
A 17th century bishop used to counsel aspiring ministers to speak kindly to everyone you meet, for everyone has a problem. And everyone does have a problem of some kind, don't they? And so I suppose that that makes everyone our neighbor. Everyone. And I, and I doubt that there is anyone here this morning who, who doesn't read this story of the Good Samaritan and feel a twinge of guilt because of this story. We recall the hitchhiker that we left standing by the side of the road. And, and we know the danger of picking up strangers, yet still it, it bothers us to pass somebody by. There was that homeless guy who approached us on the street for looking for a handout. And, and we say to ourselves, oh, he's probably just going to spend it on liquor. But deep in our hearts we wonder, what would Jesus have done? We pray, Lord, what is my responsibility to these people? There is so much need everywhere. How far do you want me to go? Well, while you ponder that question, let's confront the fact that in our society today, people are less and less likely to play the role of the Good Samaritan. In many ways, we've lost that instinct in our lives. On the front page of the newspaper a while back, there was a, a very sad picture. It was a picture of a man who had been a paramedic in the Vietnam War, and he was leaning over a car door that had pulled over to the side of a busy highway, and he was just weeping. And the story below explained what had happened and why this man was weeping. It seems that on her way to work that morning, the, the woman who had been driving that car had a heart attack. She apparently had pulled over to the side of the road and had fallen out of the door of the car by the busy expressway. And, and this man happened to come along and stopped to help her. And being a paramedic, he gave her CPR. For some 20 or 30 minutes, he was able to keep her alive through, through giving her CPR. But after 25 or 30 minutes, she died in spite of all of his efforts. And the reason he was crying was that during those 20 or 30 minutes, he beckoned everyone who passed by on that road to stop, to call for help, to get an ambulance. But nobody seemed to care. Nobody stopped. It's a revealing story of the kind of society we have become. And obviously, we, we have our reasons. Maybe, maybe it's a ploy to, to rob us. Somebody else will do it. That's what state patrols are for. We have our reasons, just like the priest and the Levite had their reasons for not stopping to help that man on the side of the road. But still, this story makes us uncomfortable, doesn't it? As it should. I once read that just as Hawaiians have no word for weather, because their weather is always so great, Eskimos have no word for thank you. 
And the reason why is because in a world that is so harsh and so difficult, helping one's neighbor is, is seen as a duty. It is a necessity for the survival of everyone. You just help each other because you know that you're going to need help. And you would think that helping those in need would be the least that we can do. Every major religion or philosophy acknowledges that. You, you don't have to be a Christian to, to extend a simple hand of kindness to someone in need. It can be anyone. John Frank spent five years as a football player for the San Francisco 49ers. He had played in two Super Bowls. He was 27 years old. He was in the prime of his life as as an athlete when something happened to cause him to reassess his priorities. You see, in, in one of those games that he was in, a player from the other team appeared to have suffered a serious injury. And so John ran to his side. And, and, and at one time, John had dreamed of become, becoming a doctor. And, and he gave, but he gave in to that fame and the glory and the money of being a professional football player. But he still had that doctor's heart, that physician's heart. And so it was natural for him, when he saw this injured player, to stop and to try to, to help him. But the result was that Frank got chewed out by his coach for giving aid and compassion to the enemy. Suddenly, his life as an NFL player was not quite so important anymore. And at that moment, he decided to hang up his cleats. He decided to go to medical school. And today, Frank, uh, John Frank is a, a practicing physician. Walking away from football seems silly to everyone, but Frank says that he is happier now than he has ever been in his life. He has no regrets about giving up fame and fortune as a professional athlete. We admire people like John Frank. It's important for us to recognize that the the kindness of the Good Samaritan is being shown every day all over this world. Courtesy, compassion, and kindness. Those those are the least that we should expect of any human being. But my friends, listen to this. The teachings of Jesus instruct us to go beyond what the ordinary person would do. Did you get that? The teachings of Jesus instruct us to go beyond what the ordinary person would do. We need to know that there are people who go that extra mile, who who care just a little bit more. And I know that there are many good Samaritans of every race and creed all over the world. But folks, those of us who claim to follow Jesus Christ, we are expected to do even more. We are expected to give love and compassion to those people whom others pass by. We are expected to give love and compassion to those whom other people ignore, or worse, whom other people abuse and treat badly. 
Folks, if we act like the rest of the world and turn our backs on the needs of people of the people at our doors, then we are no better than they are. And folks, as Christians, we are called to be better. We are called to do better. If we ignore the people at our gates who just want to survive but can't do it alone, if we ignore those people, then we need to rip up our baptismal certificates because they're not worth the paper they're printed on. As Christians, we are called to do better. We are called to stand up for those who can't stand for themselves. We are called to be the voice for those who cannot speak for themselves. We are called to mend wounds, to feed the hungry, to welcome the stranger, to give drink to the sh- and shelter to, to those who need it. We are called to care for everyone, and especially to those who are hurting. Because that is who Jesus says is our neighbor. As Christians, Jesus teaches us that we are to do better than others. But there's one more important thing that we need to see in this story. And I hope it serves as a motivating factor to to make us do better. And that is that those of us who have known the grace of Jesus Christ at work in our own lives, we know that at one time, it was us who lay in that ditch. It was us who lay in that ditch, broken and bleeding. And it was the ultimate Good Samaritan, our God, who ministered to our needs. And now, because of God's grace... To us, we long to offer grace for others. That's our motivation. That's what grace is all about. That's what the gospel is all about. Is it hard work? You betcha. It is. And sometimes we're going to get tired of it. There's a, there was a fashionable phrase a while back, it was, it's known as compassion fatigue. And, and most of us who deal regularly with people in need, we experience a bit of compassion fatigue from time to time. We, we try not to let it become over-encompassing and just overwhelm us, but it happens. But this term refers to those who who try to right uh, right society's wrongs and and they just get burned out because the needs are so great. They suddenly lose their enthusiasm for doing good and and, and so many people, they, they just give up. But folks, for most of these people that just give up, the reason that they have lost their enthusiasm for doing good is that they started out with the wrong motivation. You see, they wanted to help build a better world, and that's great. It's great to want to build a better world. It's a whole lot better than just being an insensitive clod who lives only for yourself. But the world's so big. And people's problems are so complicated. And many of these well-intentioned people just burned out. 
They run out of enthusiasm for helping people and they throw up their hands and they just say, I quit. Walk away. But many of the people who stay in that battle to build a better world, they're there for a different reason. You see, it is because we can see a man dying on a cross for our sins and we realize that we owe a lifetime of service in response to the kind of love that was extended to us. I do not know of any great servant of humanity, whether it be Dr. Albert Schweitzer or Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. or Mother Teresa or or Desmond Tutu or whomever it might be. I don't know of any great servant of, of humanity who was not driven first by a love for God. Loving people is great, but it's not enough. People can be ornery. Sometimes they can be hostile. And sometimes they can get under your skin so much that you just don't want any more, any more to, deal, to do with them. So if you're simply motivated by a love for people, then you're probably going to get tired of doing good. Because people can be bad. But if you are motivated by your love for God, then guess what, folks? You can move mountains. Archibald Rutledge once told about visiting a church, and it was a wonderful experience. The singing was contagious. The prayers were splendid. The minister, the sermon was most impressive. And, but as the congregation was leaving at the end of the service, there was a woman, unkempt and weeping, sitting by the churchyard fence. And only one of the worshipers paid any attention to her. One lady, said Rutledge, one lady went over and knelt beside this desperate woman and tried to give her comfort. And Rutledge concluded that only one person in that entire congregation really knew what it was to worship God. It was the one who did something to help. My friends, when Jesus gets a hold of us, we reach out to other people, not just because we're nice people. We do it because once upon a time we were lying in that ditch and a stranger reached out to us. And now that stranger has invaded our lives and it is that stranger who reaches out to our neighbor through us using our hands and our resources and our valuable time. An unknown author paints this revealing picture. He says, on the, on the street I saw a small girl, cold and shivering in a thin dress, with little hope of a decent meal. And I became angry and I said to God, why did you permit this? Why don't you do something about it? And for quite a while, God said nothing. And then that night, God replied quite suddenly and loudly, I did do something. I made you. And that's why God made us. To do something about it. Can God depend on you? 
Will you be God's good Samaritan? Will you be God's hands and feet? Will you reach out in kindness to those in need? My friends, those who are stripped, beaten, and robbed of their dignity and resources are depending on us. God is depending on us. Amen. Let's sing our closing hymn, Take My Life and Lead Me, Lord. And you know, we, I mentioned before that we're a church that loves music, and, and I think we love music to the extent that so often music can just be pleasant noise in our ears and in our voices. But I hope that, this, that, that the music that we sing is more than that. And I hope that we take this very seriously, that we say, take my, Lord, my life and lead me, Lord. And we may wonder, where is Jesus going to lead us? I'll tell you where Jesus will lead us. Jesus will lead us to the Jericho Road. Jesus will lead us to the beaten, stripped, and robbed. Jesus will lead us to be good Samaritans. So think about that before you sing this. Mean it.
God, we know that you have created us for yourself to love you and to love our neighbors. Yet still we cannot help but to live for ourselves. And every day we justify ourselves by our own standards and not yours. But Lord, you have found us in the ditch. You have rescued us. You have cleansed our wounds and made us whole again. Now soften our hearts to your will and make us love others as you have loved us. Especially those who are most in need. For they are our neighbor. Mm -hmm. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.